Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Mark Carr as we talk about biomedical ethics, vaccine mandates, Alaska, and what it's like to work for a Catholic healthcare system as a Seventh-day Adventist. As a young man, Mark was a commercial fisherman, commercial pilot, and university-level student of biology. In appreciation of God's love for him, he accepted a vocational calling to care for others, and he joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church and became a theology student at Walla Walla College. From there, he went to continue his theological studies at Andrews University Seminary and then returned to Alaska where he worked as a pastor and youth department director for the conference. Desiring more education, he went to the University of Virginia, where he earned his Ph.D. in religious ethics and health care. At Loma Linda University, where he taught for a number of years, he gained the rank of professor with tenure and directed the master's program in biomedical ethics, as well as a Center for Christian Bioethics. In 2016, he returned to Alaska as the Regional Director of Ethics for Providence Health, a Catholic healthcare corporation that was begun by the Sisters of Providence, who took their ministry all the way to Nome, Alaska in 1902 to help care for sick gold miners. In his work for Providence, he is responsible for clinical ethics for six hospitals and various other facilities across five Alaskan communities. In that capacity, he focuses on ethics education, policy, and patient care consults. I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation with him, and I hope you enjoy it. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I am honored to be joined by Mark Carr. Thank you so much for talking with all of us today. Oh, thank you, Alex. Um, looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll have fun. I know we will because we're going to be talking about some important topics like vaccine mandates, but we'll also be talking about you, Alaska man. And how that shaped your spirituality? Well, Alaska is, uh, yeah, it's very important to me. Yes, I know. So let's get started here um, because it kind of is the 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 big debate happening in Adventism right now. There's an organization that folks probably are aware of that is really fighting the idea of vaccine mandates. You are an ethicist. You work in a hospital system. This is not just theoretical to you. This is real life and death. It's part of your job. What say you? Uh, Well, just to put some uh, relevance to it, uh, about a month ago, I held an ethics forum, which I routinely host for uh, Providence, Alaska. It's uh, five hospitals and six communities. Um, and we uh, hosted over 250 people on the question of um, the vaccine mandate. Is it, uh, is it a choice 
or is it a mandate? And what's the difference between the two? I had a chief uh, human rights officer and a chief nurse officer on the call. And the chat thread was uh, fired up and, and we had so much uh, interest in the topic that we had four Q&A follow-up sessions afterwards with uh, easily another 150 or 200 people, uh, probably some repeat people in there. But the point is, it's very relevant. Um, yeah, but how do we how do we approach it? And uh, I find it interesting that many people within Adventism uh, are fighting the idea. I think I understand why, um, but I do have some thoughts about uh, positioning one way or the other. Yeah, you know, it seems to me if I can characterize their point of view, and then perhaps you could respond with your. Um, from your role as a, a, a in a hospital, but also all the work you've done for a career in in ethics, um, you know they're thinking about the individual, the right to believe, to follow one's conscience, and there's also a little bit of fear about institutions and, of course, the government. Uh, there's probably a little bit of libertarian theory wrapped in there, but you are from Alaska, you're in Alaska, libertarianism. You know, libertarianism, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is, and when you say libertarian theory, I, what I've seen is more libertarian ideology that's been politicized so much that it really doesn't have much recognition within libertarian philosophy. Um, but the idea of, of uh, being involved purposefully in the effort to help our society is something I don't see so much in Adventist history. Yes, I mean, we could argue this point, but in terms of a position toward the whole of society, Adventism generally takes a more counter view. We would rather counter the common uh, idea then involve ourselves in moving the common uh, idea forward. That may be, I don't want to be unfair, but there is explicitly within Catholic moral theology uh, a moral obligation to benefit the common, the common commonality. Um, Adventism has not been around or has not focused so much on that, with the exception, I think, of our emphasis on public health over the years. I, I taught in the School of Public Health at Loma Linda for 16 years, ethical issues in public health. And there is a great deal of, of background and position for us to argue in favor of doing what's good for the community by uh, coming along with government mandates on things like vaccines. In fact, the very idea that one could say there's a religious exemption available for Adventists, no, not from our religion. No, I don't see it. Um, as opposed to individual conscience, um, that's some very murky water. But again, Adventism and our, our uh sense of need to stand up in the face of religious oppression fostered by Martin Luther himself, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in our political context, uh, it goes goes beyond something healthy, and in the end, turns out to be more egoistic than anything else. I think Christ's calling for us to be uh, positive and good for our neighbor demands a kind of altruism that I'm not I'm not seeing from those who would argue that government should be kept away. We we're gonna are, we're gonna argue for our uh, right to invoke our conscientious objection on this issue. You know, using the language that someone might uh, you you know. Uh, recognize in that camp of of uh, our our duty to witness, to go into the world, to evangelize, share the good news of Christ. In a way, you you use the term altruism there, and I'm wondering if you think that there might be an argument to be made that it is part of um, that um, that call to. Um, the mission of the church to uh-huh. represent the values of Christ, care for each other, the golden rule. And in that way, might that advance the kingdom and, and be part of the Adventist ethos that would maybe call someone to get the vaccine, not because it's mandated by the state, but because it's mandated by God. By common sense and the common good, yeah. By by altruism and Christ's call to be to be decent neighbors, uh, I'm very much uh, uh, formed by the discipline of ethics, the theology of ethics, the pragmatism of ethics on a, on a level of healthcare. And and again, in my uh, understanding of Adventism, the health branch, if you will, and I I published an article in, um, I think it was Christian Ethics Journal, um, that that kind of broke down the history of Adventism into an administrative branch, if you will, the ministry, a healthcare branch, uh, and then third and newest on the block, a business branch, mm. characterized by Adventist uh, uh, industries, uh, ASI. ASI, yeah. Service, and, service and, yeah. Um, and and truly, uh, I th- I want to argue the healthcare branch in Adventism has taken necessarily a more altruistic approach to the public. We exist in our healthcare branch to serve the public. The church administrative branch wants to make sure that. We understand in healthcare that that's in order for them to join the church, and that was the the initial the, the reasoning behind it. it was an entering wedge. You remember that language? Sure, of course. And yeah. the idea of a medical missionary. Exactly, exactly. But in some ways, in 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 my analysis, and I'm not a sociologist or the son of a sociologist, so you'll forgive me if I'm dabbling where I ought not. American business has so thoroughly shaped that third branch of Adventism in today's context. Yes. And American business is egoistic. I don't think anyone can argue that. So how does the the two branches of Adventism, altruistic and egoistic within business and healthcare, navigate this turf 
together. It's extraordinarily difficult. It's the same is true for Catholicism or any faith-based healthcare corporation in, in today's context. I love that framing, egoistic and altruistic. I think that helps, uh, you know, as I've paid attention to what ASI has been up to and also what I noticed who got to speak as a member of the 342 members of the executive committee, there were some businessmen. Sure. And uh, let's just say their approach was not altruistic. Sure, um, sure. And, and uh, you know, I, I haven't the slightest uh, uh, desire to impugn any of their, sure. their work or their approach. They're as missionary-minded as, as the best of us, uh, the most of us, whatever. But um, it's a different approach. And, and, I, and I think that it can be argued quite persuasively that Christ calls us to a kind of altruism that demands that we put our need to protect our conscience underneath the need of the patients we care for and the communities we live in. When it comes right down to it, um, protecting my conscience is an egoistic venture. Um, and, and so I would try to explore, and, and I'm not sure yet how this would work out. I'm working on an article on whole corporations, healthcare corporations, invoking conscience so that they don't have to do things like transgender surgery. So they don't have to do things like women's reproduction, full line services. Um, how does an American corporation that purports to be following the face of Christ, faith of Christ, mm -hmm. say to a patient coming in the door, sweetheart, we'll do some things for you, but not, not everything you need. Mm. I, I'm struggling with that. I would love to read that article. And I think that the, the idea of... Uh, I have to write it first, but I've, it's, <laughs> it's a struggle. Um, the idea of uh, the conscience of the corporation and the idea of corporate, like corporate body, right. is really fascinating. What is, right. the, what is our corporate duty is a different question. Indeed. And, and one has to ask the question then with regard to Adventism and Adventist corporations, who gets to decide what the conscientious position is for the church? We're a Protestant denomination. Does the general conference get to decide that? Or does the CEO of the corporation or the board of the corporation with the church representative on it, who decides what is the authentic Adventist expression of conscience and, and the right to invoke it in some sort of objection uh, to what society is, is asking because it's legal and because we open our doors to the public, uh, how, how does that impinge upon our services? Well, you're asking questions like an ethicist, and I'm <laughs> curious how you got uh, into um, this um, service-oriented profession. Yeah. Um, a lot of Adventists growing up, they like to dabble in some ideas. They become pastors, uh, maybe uh, mess around with some uh, philosophy, theology. 
and you have a long career as an ethicist. How did that start for you? When did you find yourself going down this path? Um, I was a commercial pilot and a commercial fisherman before going to Walla Walla College. I'm a convert uh, to Adventism and was thoroughly captured uh, by the theolo theological program at Walla Walla College. Mm. Uh, Paul Dipdahl, Lucille Knapp, uh, my gosh, uh, Alden Thompson, Jerry Winslow, uh, so many, John Brunt, so many people there that uh, were so rich. Uh, Sakai Kubo, I was a reader for wow. Sakai Kubo for a short time. Um, and and uh, Chuck Scriven was there. Uh, yeah, it was such a rich time. And I knew uh, not long into my program that of the two paths, I really was uh, pondering at the time, either literally walking into the Alaskan wilderness and just, just being out there. I, I mean, that was really part of what I pondered or engaging the world through this discipline and through this vocation of being a pastor. And I obviously chose the latter. Toward the end of my time there, um, knowing that I wanted to, to do something with my life in this direction, um, I pondered either going into a PhD program, either in New Testament studies or in ethics. And at the time, I thought, Going into uh, expertise within scripture, within Adventism, is going to result in me being in a continual, constant battle over hermeneutics. And I thought, why do I want to walk into a lifelong battle uh, to, you know, fantastic area of expertise and 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 you know more mature now i'm sure i i might have you know reflected and done better at my decision making then and thought you don't have to be in a fight every day mark but <laughs> but instead the idea of ethics uh was equally important and jerry winslow uh was my professor there and and interestingly enough after reviewing a paper I had written for class. It was a senior uh, graduate seminar sort of thing, you know, and I'd written a paper. I don't even remember what it was on now, but his very first comment to me, Mark, he says, that sounds very Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and I, here I am years later working at a, at a Catholic hospital <laughs> as a deeply committed Adventist. So um, it is it is consistent through the years um, that how we get along um, and how we do that well uh, has been very important to me. It was exacerbated, became more obvious to me after four years as a congregational pastor with multiple congregations and the youth ministry department in Alaska that we needed more ethicists. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what tipped my hat. And I got into the University of Virginia for a PhD in religious ethics. You know, I'm so glad that uh, you went down that path. I first ran across you because I was reading uh, what you had written in an Adventist publication. And I thought, this guy's cool. I, will, I loved what you were writing about ecology. And um, not many folks were taking that seriously. And um, so I'm, I'm glad that you went down that path. It was a great, a great experience going to the University of Virginia. 
studied with a man who is a Quaker by faith, Jim Childress, and one of the world's premier bioethicists. And Jerry Winslow had studied with him, James or Jim Walters had studied with him. Uh, and I was lucky to get in actually, uh, but hung tough, hung in there and got my degree. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Um, I want to loop back to this conversation about um, uh, Catholic healthcare because you've worked in Adventist healthcare and Catholic healthcare, but we've referenced Alaska several times. And I want to just ask you a little bit about the ways that that shaped your journey. Um, uh, how, what about Alaska is meaningful to you and, and what's, what's, how have you become an, a, a, uh, if I could say, a uh, uh, Alaskan Adventist. Does that mean anything to you? Is that different than, say, a California Adventist or a Virginia oh, Adventist? You know, I'm sure that there there could be differences noted. There is something about the land, something about the presence of a human in such vastness. But um, Alaskans also have this tendency to think we're very special and very different from everybody else. <laughs> we're not. Um, it's a very special place, but there's really nothing special about Alaskans necessarily. Um, for me, it's, it's, uh, I've never been much of a spiritually oriented person. I, and it was part of the reason I, I'm not sure I really fit well in in a pastoral position because it seemed like all my pastoral colleagues were far more spiritually oriented than, than I. I. I wanted to ride a motorcycle and, and wear black leather. Um, but again, probably an immature view of what it means to be a spiritually oriented person. But how does Adventism help young people uh, really embrace the kind of spirituality that may help them at that stage, rather than holding up some sort of paragon of spirituality in the iconic, brittle structure of a pastor um, and say, that's what you should aspire to. So uh, perhaps different than the average, but uh, deeply grounded um, in ways that are hard to put to words, I, I'm thinking of various experiences that I've had, um, primarily um, connected somehow to the, is it right to say the eternality of, of the Alaskan wilderness? Sure. And hard to put in words, but at times when I've had personal crises, deeply emotional or harmful or hurtful or painful or whatever, to be able to go out into nature and to return to places where I've been before and to see that it's exactly the same as it was then. And it will be that way for a long time. Gives some kind of sense. Now, I'm sure that that can happen in Dakota or Carolina. Um, but I happen to be from Alaska. And, and um, so that kind of grounds some of the past. More recently, uh, in various ways, again, I'm flying uh, again after a long hiatus. When you're flying and you're up there, it's just there are moments when you think, my gosh, why would I ever want to be anywhere else on the face of the earth? 
or sometimes I bicycle to work and, and now we're, we're breaking out our studded fat tire bikes, you know, <laughs> uh, and I'm on a narrow trail going home and it's through the woods. And I think, you know, there's likely a moose on the trail or bear or what have you. And I look and the mountains are beautiful and the sun is on them or the moon is out and nothing holds a candle. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I had a chance to visit uh, Alaska and you and your beautiful home and to see a little bit of what you're talking about. And I do uh, have to agree that it, um, that it has a kind of um, a brush with the beyond, a kind of infiniteness to that space. And I can hardly wait to be back. You know, um, it, it's probably worth noting that when I first came into the church, one of my desires was to uh, serve in the church out in what's often referred to as Bush, Alaska, for Native peoples in villages, in part because I'd been out there already, and in part because I had a white savior mentality that's going to, you know, take the gospel to them and, and so on. Um I, I remain uh, committed to the idea that in this position and with the circles that I'm involved in, I can help in ways uh, that don't come to, to average uh, situations. And uh, for instance, one of the ways that I helped during the pandemic was uh, being a member of an ad hoc vaccine advisory committee for the state. And among other things, because I've had experience out in the Native communities, I was a, a task force pastor in two villages. I had some sense of, of how healthcare has, has failed our Alaska Native communities. Uh, and I think some of that deeper experiential part of that work has made a difference. Just a quick, for instance, there's something like 20 Alaskan villages where literally, Alex, there is no running water or sewer, right? So how do you fight a pandemic when there is no running water or sewer in your village? Wow. And, and how do you prioritize getting a vaccine to those villages over those down the street uh, who can simply drive over here, roll down their window and drive home in very, you know, luxurious comfort. So some of that context really does kind of make it a little different in Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, wrapping up here, since we've talked about Catholic healthcare and your time in Adventist healthcare as well, you know, it's no news to anyone that Adventists have really positioned ourselves vis-a-vis -vis the Catholics. Mm. And for someone like you who has um, such a strong reputation within the Adventist community on topics of, of ethics, I'm curious what drew you over to Catholic healthcare and what you see there as, um, I don't know, some, what, re what is it, you know, are there resonances between oh, yeah. uh, unsuspected resonances between oh, yeah. the two yeah. systems, but more the the moral frameworks? What could we learn from the Catholics? Um, and, yeah. and what's it like for you? Do they, you know, do they worry that you're um, too Adventist to be hanging out with them? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> this this uh, when I when I interviewed, I I told one of the two committees interviewing me that that I was an active ordained minister in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and I said, now I don't know how much you know about Adventism and its relation to Catholicism, but suffice to say that we're Protestant. And I paused and I said, we're very, very <laughs> Protestant. <laughs> and some of the people on the committee were like wondering why did he say that? And others were shaking their head like, yeah, we know who you guys are. Um, and, and so we walked into it uh, with eyes wide open. And at the time, the CEO of the hospital where I work with work in is, was a Lutheran. Um, and the kind of uh, faith diversity present here in this hospital, it's not true of all Catholic systems or facilities, but the kind of diversity, theological and otherwise, uh, that is embraced here is extraordinarily refreshing to me. Uh, I work with a, a priest from Scotland, uh, and one of the things that he told me on one occasion was that one of the most proud moments he has ever had in his career uh, was when he was able to be involved in the decision to hire a transgender female to male chaplain to serve in the spiritual care department. That's great. And yeah, I, I've, I've been uh, just pleased as punch that that priest uh, considers me, and he said it countless times, joined at the hip. Mm. And, and his, uh, his willingness to, you know, ally with me and help, he in, in mission uh, integrity and in spiritual care department and me in ethics, because the two are very closely uh, working together, as would be the case in an Adventist hospital as well. Uh, so it's been very refreshing. Uh, and and it helps me now. It's difficult for my local church and conference, and and I mean I used to work for them, and I I've returned, and I now work for the Catholics, the Catholics, um, and and many of them just don't know what to make of me, uh, and and I get it, I understand that, and then on top of that, I had twenty five years of experience on an Adventist campus and local churches don't get that kind of mix it up, explore, think about stuff kind of atmosphere. And so I came in like a bull in a china shop and it didn't go so well. But um, you know we're we're making our way and finding friends and and uh, worshiping with our with our Adventist church. so good. Well, I'm so glad that you're a part of the Adventist community and so glad you're part of the Spectrum community. I dig and, Spectrum, that's for sure. Yeah, and we're and thank you for and the, by the way, we did form a, a new forum chapter up here as well, right? You were the yes. first speaker of the of the new forum. I think we're the the well, certainly the latest new forum chapter, maybe the last in many years. I don't know. The, yeah. the most recent in many years. So yes. We're very proud of that. Yes, it was great meeting um, so many of your uh, fellow community members up there. It's a great group. Yeah. Um, the last question I have is just what's bringing you hope these days um, as you're, you know, processing what's happening in your church, thinking about your local Adventist uh, community, the people that I met at the forum chapter who are willing to ask questions and, and also 
you know, the way that you're very service oriented position there is is helping you think about you know the future of humanity the pre the present reality and future of of um the human condition what brings you hope um early in the pandemic uh people behind rather tall corporate uh and hospital walls worked together um, the state reached out, others reached out to the state. Um, that kind of cooperation is very exciting to me as an ethicist. Uh, years ago, I went into the field thinking that the point of ethics was to help people get along. Hmm. Um, I've had pushback for decades on that. And so many people have said, Mark, that's such a naive view. Uh, you should uh, understand that true creativity comes from uh, debate and competition and point and counterpoint and, and so on and so forth. Arguably, that's partly true. Uh, on the other hand, I, I think the country and particularly Anchorage, I don't know if you follow, you probably don't follow the Anchorage Assembly, but it's the most contentious Anchorage Assembly meetings uh, over the vaccine until uh, it was a simple mask mandate mm. in 50 years, or so locals say. Um, so how do we engage each other in, in decency, remaining committed to the, to the positions we want to, you know, put forward or argue for, if you will? Um, so if I'm hopeful, it's, it's that we can continue in conversation uh, with decency and decorum. That was one of my favorite words from my uh, PhD research and my time there, decorum, social decorum. Hmm. How, do we, how do we maintain that and, and be good with each other? Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much. I really appreciate talking with you. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The king.